Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. I wanted to talk some more this morning about Bible House. And so um, I've talked a little bit about them and given you some. And, and I feel there's a couple of very important ones. But if, if uh, one of our pastors still feels moved, I know God's still talking to some of you. I want you to know you can go ahead and interrupt me. It won't be a problem today, okay? You hear me? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. talked a lot about the different ways that God moves some of the Bible hows how did he do this how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth these are so important for our time because there are a lot of voices trying to get our attention and we must be sure that God's voice is the one we're hearing and it should be confirmed and so let's turn to Acts chapter 2 verse 6 now this was noised abroad the multitude came together I'm at verse 6 and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How can we, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And this is a question that many people ask. How in the world did that work? How did we hear God in our own language? God is able to talk to you in your own language. One of the great things that happens with languages, we often have questions regarding language. We're still making language. We change words all the time to be uh, current to our society and political correctness sometimes, which I think is another whole chapter. But in the book of Genesis, there was a great thing that was given to man, and that was the authority to name things. And when we can't talk about how we hear in language unless we understand the root of language. The root of language came when God gave this wonderful gift about naming things to Adam. And that that gift to name things is still very much working in all of us today. How did we ever come up with the word orange for an orange? Certainly when I've traveled abroad and they use a different language, they call it something else. How did we come to naming things? How did we come to hear? Because God has one voice, one language, and he speaks the language that we hear regardless of the words we have put to it. When we talk about changing things and we begin to, to really submit and yield to the Holy Spirit, he's got one language that he wants to speak to every individual. As we begin to grasp the fact that there's a language that we need to come under, we can begin to hear his voice in a new and a different way. New to us, not new to God. And as we, and, and many times, and I've shared this uh, even in one of the pastor's table episodes about praying in other tongues. When I grew up, the church I went to didn't believe in praying in other tongues. Well, I've asked this question. Just what language do you think that everybody was speaking before God confused the languages in Genesis. 
were they, they certainly weren't speaking Hebrew. It wasn't there yet. What language were they speaking? God's language. Well, what language is that? This is the marvelous place. You see, when we're submitted to the Holy Ghost and he moved upon the people, he gave them one language. Now, it sounded different to our ears where we were because of the authority to name. Is that a mind twister? What great things has God given us? The ability to name. You see, I see it often, and this is unfortunate, we often learn from the negative more than the positive. When I'm thinking about how plants grow, we all know how to kill them. <laughs> Don't water it, you know. <laughs> or that plant's not growing well because of rocks. I talked about that before. But I know if I talk to my husband, because that's the kind of thing he knows very much about, he knows how to get the best out of a plant. And he doesn't talk about what not to do. He talks about what we should do. There's all kinds of questions when it comes to naming things. Often in the body of Christ, and this is the piece I want to come to, we rename things in a way that we shouldn't be doing. And we are trying many times to speak the language that people will understand. We're trying to do that, but sometimes we rename things wrong. And, how, and here, let me give you from the negative side how this works, because you'll understand where I'm going <laughs> and unfortunately relate to it. If I say to you, you know, that faith message, we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be anxious for anything, right? So we, we rename it. We call our worry something else. So it doesn't sound like we're worrying. We're concerned. Oh, we're not worried, because that would be sin. Oh, we just care about you. But that care is still keeping you up at night. We renamed wrong. Had we heard that one voice that will speak to us, how would we have named that? Sometimes we're in such a hurry, we don't hear. And there's no, I've never seen a place where you recovered hurry or recovered worry in a hurry, either. <laughs> I've never seen that. Many people are so in a hurry in our society today that we cover stuff up by renaming, and that's not the way to use the gift God gave us. When we're hearing the one language of heaven, it will adjust what we say, and it'll be the right elements to bring us to that place. And, and the remark, these were Galileans. How is it we're hearing us individually? Because it didn't matter the word that came out. What mattered was God was reaching people. So there are times, and I thought this when I was praying for somebody who doesn't speak the language. I'm just going to pray in tongues because, bless the Lord, there's no interpreter. They can understand me anyway. And I'm going to trust God. And I've said this kind of accidentally, just letting you know. Well, I'm just going to pray in tongues. There's no interpreter. And, and I don't know, the interpreter went this way. I went that way. I'm praying for the person. I'm just going to pray in tongues. They can't understand English anyway. And they got it. And, and what I didn't know is that I'd done it in faith. <laughs> I had an expectation that God would somehow speak to them. Yeah. And he did. And he did. 
He got through all the language barriers. Oh, my goodness, isn't that what happened here? It doesn't say they all spoke different languages. I've researched it. It's how they heard. It was how they heard. So in our struggle sometimes in the flesh to be great communicators, we remain, we rename things, trying to help people understand the word of God. And there, there's some honest care in that, absolutely. But we can trust God, who is a revealer, to open their eyes so that they can see and so they can hear. Obviously, if we look at all the Gospels where Jesus was walking on the earth, he was speaking a language in the language that they could hear, the natural language. He was speaking their natural language. And some of them still did not get it. We can do our best to try and speak the natural language of man. Now, I'm not advocating running up to somebody and speaking in other tongues and slapping them on the head, okay? <laughs> Just so that we're clear. Run around going go up to somebody especially who's not saved and say, well, the tongue's a sign for an unbeliever. Let's use it now. Um, no. Just no. Stop yourself. That's not what we're saying here. There may be a time where that's a revealer and a gift and, and wonderful and does a miracle. But chances are, if you walked outside and went to the streets where there's somebody and you begin to look at them and they've never heard anything and you're out there on the street witnessing and you go up to them and you start praying in other tongues, they're going to think that maybe they should call that special police force. <laughs> Just saying. Some persecution is self-inflicted. So... Praise the Lord. So get it about language. How is it that they heard it? Because God's able to speak beyond natural means. He's able to reach every person. He's able to reach the hearts of people if we would just believe him. He's not new in this business. He knows what he's saying. He knows what he's doing. Amen. So let's go a little bit further in the book of Acts, and see what else he knows. Amen? Let's look at Acts chapter 4. Because these are some questions. Acts chapter 4, I'll start verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, came up. So he's got a crowd of people. Picture that. Crowd of people and a bunch of religious folk. The religious folk were not there to hear the word of the Lord. They were not here and, th and present so that they could be blessed and changed. That's not why they were there. They did have motive. They were losing position and they were concerned about it. And so they were looking for ways that they could be naughty. Don't be surprised about that sort of thing going down. Be grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus Christ the resurrection from the dead. Well, that would really upset the Sadducees because they didn't believe in a resurrection anyway. So he's rocking the boat. And now his disciples are rocking that same boat. It wasn't enough that Jesus came along and ruined everything. Now we have the disciples on board. And they're doing it. And they have power, which they do not. It's wrecking everything. 
they'd shut up the temple and they weren't letting people come in and go out. They were, they had the anointing before to have healing, to do deliverance, to do all those things of heaven. And they'd shut that whole trip up. And now here they go. We thought we had it done with Jesus. We killed him. So, and now there's just more of them. They were not happy. Grieved is a strong word. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail. We have religious folks that are upset right now and throwing people in jail because they can't control them. Christians, pastors. Now, let me just take a side trip for a moment here. Whatever your position is on that pastor, don't get into strife over it. Don't criticize him. That's his choice. That's how he serves God. Unless you're willing to put how you serve God on the table of judgment, don't you judge that pastor. Strict words. Don't you be speaking about him. Don't criticize him. Because you know that whole thing. One figure goes out, three come back. Mm -hmm. Pray for him. Pray for his wife. He's making a stand. He's making a stand. And we're doing what God has told us to do. People don't like that either. Amen? People won't like everything God tells you to do. Get over it. Praise the Lord, you're not in jail. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. Well, that's good. And the number of the men was about 5,000. I believe we're coming to a place where we see many saved in the day. And it's going to be work. When people first get saved, they do a lot of things. Dear Lord, they want to talk to people. I was saying the other day, you know what happens when people, they're just like little children. They eat everything and they shouldn't. And I was sharing in, in the pastor's table how one of my children picked up a bug and chewed it. Yeah, they eat everything. And sometimes when people get bored again, they eat everything. Oh, this looks Christian. And they put it in their mouth and they eat stuff and they eat. They, they, they just, they go everywhere. They do everything. There's a meeting. I better go. There's a meeting. I better. They're so afraid of sinning that they push their life and, and they go to every meeting that's there. They, you know, afraid of sinning. I just want to do what's right. I want to grow. I want to grow. And they eat everything. The people in their life are telling, don't eat that. You'll soon find out if it's got wiggly legs and it's in your tongue. It is wrong. Spit that thing out. You know, well, that didn't taste right. That's right. It wasn't the character of God when you're, you know, criticizing people. I'll tell you what, criticism has this thing in it. That's why people do it. Kind of feels good for the moment. Makes you feel smart. Makes you feel like you know better. And that little piece there, that's tasty sometimes. Especially if you can get someone to agree with you. I do love you. I'm helping you. Amen. It came to pass on the moral, so they all get together, all the religious people. Rulers, elders, scribes, Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, as many as watch were of the kindred of the high priest. The whole family gets involved in that criticism and judgment. Birds of a feather. We agree this is wrong. There is stuff wrong. Absolutely. There'll always be crazy stuff out there. Don't eat it. 
I know some of you, even when I was talking about asparagus, went, well, I'll pass on that, Pastor. <laughs> I'll see Brussels sprouts. I'll pass on that. I'm not a big fan of seafood that's still moving, personally. There are things I pass on, and some people enjoy them. Bless them. But you understand what, what you like, you get kindred over, can be a big problem. Agreement doesn't always make it right. Agreement doesn't always make it right. This word came to me this morning while Pastor Jason was talking in the prayer school part. Uh, and he talked about questions. And I've never seen it like this before. And I'll just share this with you. Questions are not wrong. But they're not our living force. Hmm? There is a time when we're coming out of survival mode. Many are. And, and when you get saved, you're kind of coming out of survival mode, right? You're like, whoa, my life was bad and I needed Jesus. Even if it wasn't that bad, you still needed him. So there's that survival, a little bit of survival mentality. I'm doing this because that was awful. And you begin to move forward. God, I need you in my life. And there's that coming out of it. And we talk about what is it like to live on the other side of the cross because we don't just come to the cross and drop dead. That's it. I'm going to heaven now. I got saved. We can get through the door. No, there's resurrection life on the other side, but we often don't know how to get in that thing. And so we question, and we ask questions, and we ask questions here, and we ask questions there. And that's part of us coming out. But that's not going to cause us to live. We can't live on questions. We begin to live when we embrace the answers. And answers are what take us to the next place. But if we get stuck, it's not question period like in the government. Question period in the government is really a time of debate. I don't like this. I don't like this. And their questions are all wrong. Their questions are just so they can say their opinion. I have a question, but they don't really. And they just give an opportunity for them to spew their opinion back and forth at each other. And like little babies going back and forth. Blah, 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 blah. It's not question, period. Getting out of survival into thriving. It's not question, period. Ask the question, hold the answer, and start to put it in your life before you ask another question. We've got to take it and move with it. Questions and answers are for movement, and they'll create movement when we embrace answers. So we're going to embrace the answer. We don't want to get stuck in the hows. I've been talking about Bible hows, but we don't want to get stuck in the question of how. Right? Amen. So let's keep going because there's a question in here we're going to believe to get an answer for today, and we're going to be settled in it, and we're going to thrive in it. In Jesus' name. So after all, they all get together, and they don't like what's going down. Do you know what happened that they didn't like what's going down? Miracles. This is after the gate beautiful in chapter 3. Verse 7. When they had set them in the midst, they've taken them out of jail. They got all their friends ready to criticize and judge them. They bring them up. And it says, by what power? Or by what name have you done this? They want to know. They want to know. By what means 
By what means? Which is the same question as how. What did you do? And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, best way to answer. You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this imminent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you killed. Like, this is, this is a level of boldness. Uh, we love Peter. Uh, you know, he had some troubles. I always liked the fact that, you know, I know he wasn't supposed to cut the guy's ear off, but there's a part of that that I, I, I understand too well. And, and, by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here whole. And I'm like, praise Jesus. It's just so good. It's just so good. It's just so good. They wanted to know how. That was what was troubling them. Why did it trouble them so? They had had the authority. They'd had the right. And they'd had the anointing to do just that. And it wasn't working anymore. They were the guy. They were the people everybody came to. And now they're not the guy. And now we see that they didn't go through. Think about what they had to go through in order to process and, and do the works that were right for a priest to do to lay hands on the sick. They had a process. They had to, you know, washing and repenting and all of this stuff that they had to go through in the tabernacle in order to go out and then do those things. Here's a bunch of dirty, smelly fishermen. They're looking kind of unclean. They smell bad and they look bad. They don't have the teaching. They don't have the right name. That's right. Because the priests all came out of a line. And here's these guys. Got nothing to back them up. How? It's not right. Everything they'd learned, everything they thought was right, was no longer right. However, they had been warned that change was coming. They'd been told this part is going to end. Even Caiaphas and Annas, they knew these things. They talked about them. They knew. They had to know because otherwise it wouldn't be a priest. That place where when they were coming and they would stick a knife in the Torah and they'd have to know where that point fell and be able to say what verse that was. I'll tell you what they knew. They knew the Old Testament. They knew all the prophecies. And in their time, they couldn't put it together that there was a different way now. Their reasoning blocked their ability to hear how God was doing it today. As we stand in our time, there are things that are trying to block us. Reasonings of men, science 
medical science. All those things that we talk about that hinder a seed from growing. The negative side. We focus on that. But what about the other side? How does healing really work? Every person in the gospel that Jesus prayed for that was healed wasn't born again. And he didn't do it by the old method. In fact, the religious called him out on that as well. They didn't wash their hands. Mad spit. Horror of the pandemic. He spat in the guy's tongue. I mean, that's just like right over the edge, right? You imagine some believer gets anointed by God, and God says, go into the COVID ward and go and spit in everybody's tongue, and their lungs will be healed. Can you imagine the furor? I mean, just walking in there without a mask on would send most people into the loony bin. There'd be police involved and, you know. Praise the Lord. He just healed him. Well, how? He just healed him. How did he do it? He healed him. How did he do that? He healed him. How, well, how did he laid hands on the sick? He spat on some. He said to some. He spoke to some. Are you looking for a formula? They were. They were looking for all of the stuff to line up so they could do the same thing. And it seems like when we look at them, they go, well, <laughs> I'm not them. Whoop. When you're looking for a formula of healing, we are into the reasonings of men. You're looking for the how-tos. And, 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 and it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Jesus healed all who came. Many of us don't know how to come. We think, well, we can't come to church. It's not about church. And many people have said, well, you can have church at home and you can pray at home. All those things are true. Absolutely. But do we honor the gathering that God said to do? How do we gather when we're supposed to be apart? It's a good question. But there are ways. There are ways. Otherwise, no one would be having underground church. We can gather, maybe in smaller groups in smaller ways. But we can, we can gather. We can pray. And we can be together. We can do it. We'll find a way through. Absolutely. He healed all who came. What does it mean to you to come? I've thought about that many times. Because I thought, how did I come? Because I'm asking myself. What did I do to come? Lots of people ask me, Pastor, how, how did that power work in your life? Here's my big answer. Are you ready? Are you ready? I don't know. Have, this is what I do know. I know when God said, go this way, I did. I didn't always, but for the most part. I believed the word of God in a very childlike way. I looked at some of the Proverbs where it said, call wisdom your sister. So I walked around when I, I was reading that. I started reading a chapter of Proverbs every day when I was 27. So I've been doing that for a while. And 
And it says, call Wisdom your sister. So I said, Wisdom, you're, you're, you're my sister. You walk beside me. You, you talk to me all the time. Thank you. That Wisdom, you're my sister. Now, that sounds funny. But I took the word of God as the word of God. That's what I did. When I was in my early 30s, a minister came to me and said, you're not just, you know, 32 or whatever it was. I said, yeah. You walk in such deep wisdom. Really? <laughs> I hadn't noticed. I just thought it was normal. Because wisdom was my sister was walking beside me. And if I could keep my mouth shut, wisdom would talk. <laughs> Amen. I, I think it's so important to remember when you're thinking about the miracles that God's calling us to walk in that there's no special formula. No one was born again. I've seen cases where someone didn't have the faith, but I had faith. I've seen places where they've had more faith than I had, and they got healed. Isn't that funny? We're having a little truth chat here because this time that we're in, God wants to use us to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to cast out devils, to take up any deadly thing and it won't harm us, to come into those places where these are realities. But it's not a formula. And if you look for one, you'll get stuck in one. And you'll go round and round in circles and go, well, how did I get here? That's how. The reasonings of men won't take you forward. But God will keep you in a place where it'll keep unfolding. Remember that that the coming is so vital. How do people come? How do people come? Well, people come for a couple of reasons. People come to church for a couple of reasons. Sometimes it's out of need. And, and sometimes that need is very physical. They need physical help, maybe with money or food. or Sometimes it's because they need people to be around them. I have a deep need to worship God, and I like to do that. And sometimes when we're singing in that, I forget where I am. And uh, I, I, like this morning, I was like, oh, well, what happened there? <laughs> oh, yes, here we are. And, and I don't, I, I've, I've done my best as a pastor to just worship God. I know sometimes uh, when we first started out and we we're having church, I felt like I had to, to make sure everything was going to be okay. I don't do that anymore. I just worship God and like what happens, happens. And he said, well, pastor, you know, aren't you leading? Yeah, I am leading. I am. I'm doing my best to throw myself at God as much as I can. And to be that example is not always easy. To demonstrate the, the coming before the Lord with an open heart, with unrestrained, means it puts me in a vulnerable place. But I've never regretted it. Sometimes it's a little tight because then something I might do incorrect and then I have to repent and then I have to tell everybody I was goofy that day and that's that's not always nice but I've never regretted throwing myself into the arms of Jesus not once not once sometimes I've danced around and probably looked silly but I don't I, I've never regretted it some of the films I've seen of myself after, when I've been dancing with some of our friends in the African church, I thought, praise the Lord, they love me. 
So remembering that he healed all who came, if you'll hear that. He healed all who came. And we say, well, why is this, why is this part being hindered? Why isn't so-so behaved? Why isn't this working? You're getting stuck in the question. You're getting stuck in the question. It's a place where we just put more of the word in ourselves. We will grow. We will grow. And it really comes back to understanding a little bit more about how the anointing works. You see, when we surrender to the word of God, that's what the religious people, they were so caught up in reasoning, they couldn't hear the principle. They couldn't hear what God was saying. They couldn't hear, come as you are and come boldly and I'll do the work. Because before that, they were doing the work. They were doing the formula. And now the formula was done. And it was a time of freedom. And it just, anybody could come. And that was different. It was different. And so as we come, we, we must understand there is an anointing on the word of God to accomplish what it says. When we get born again, the anointing comes inside of us. And that's, our, that's the anointing that helps us live. But that's not the anointing that helps us minister. It's different. The anointing to live is that place where you get up sometimes and you feel like, oh, I don't want to get out of my sheets and la, la, la. But there's that voice, a wonderful voice on the inside that says, get up. <laughs> You're going to be late for work. But that, that also that place where there's scripture inside that comes alive, that's the anointing that abides within. But that's for you. That's not for others. The anointing for others that ministers to others, that's the anointing that comes on the word. It's limited in the fact that it is for the task and the, the job at hand. That's how God son Jesus operated on the earth when he was anointed so yes he had the anointing in within but he also had the anointing on top of him to accomplish the task that God had set on his life when we begin to confess the word of God even the one that we read this morning from Psalm 34 where we go on and he said well we could just read a few more verses out of there Psalm 34 I stopped before it got well it's all good I understand that but let's read a few more verses and see exactly what can happen there. Praise the Lord. Psalm 34, after I read to verse 3, and verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, he heard me, and delivered me of all my fears. So, this is, so when we say, okay, Lord, you'll deliver us from fear, there's an anointing on the word to deliver you from fear. That, so there's anointing on that scripture that says he'll deliver you from fear. That's how that works. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. So there's an anointing in the word of God when, that promises that when you cry out to God, he's going to hear you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to set you free from all your troubles. There's an anointing on the word of God to work that in you. That's where the anointing is. And you can see when trouble's gone... And you've been delivered, then you don't need an anointing for deliverance, right? But there's an anointing that abides within that works for you to, yes. 
The anointing abides within to keep you living. When you need healing, there are words like 2 Peter 2.24. Many people stand up. There's lots of scriptures on healing that you could believe. You could go to Mark chapter 16, uh, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 9. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's an anointing on those words as you take hold of them to bring the healing. When you're healed and it's worked in your body, you're no longer sick. Do you need that anointing? It's done its job. It's done its work. Do you still need the anointing abiding within to live? Absolutely. But we begin to separate the two, and then we understand it. Oh, that's why when I have prayed for so-and-so, I was praying this scripture, and as I began to declare it, I felt the presence of God. It moved. Oh, bless the Lord. There was something happened when I prayed. Oh, praise the Lord. You're not going to live there. Where are you going to live? In the anointing that abides within. It's different. That's the one that talks to you and praise the Lord and keeps you. Is it a good anointing? Is it a lame anointing? Is it an anointing that's more than enough? Absolutely. It's an anointing to help you live. Amen. It's the anointing that takes us from survive to thrive. And we haven't recognized it because we're looking for the outside thing. Where is it? Right? So when we begin to grasp how the anointing works on things, suddenly life is a whole lot better. We're not looking for that. You know, that happens. But when we begin to think the Holy Spirit's within me, John chapter, it's first John chapter 2, 22 years. The anointing that abides within, it abides within. John 15 also. So the anointing comes and it abides within. It's in you. God's not small inside of you. It takes you into the resurrection power of God. And that can feel pretty good. It gets you up, it, and, and it's not, all right, well, I got enough for today, so I'll just get through. You, 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 because God works in such a limited way. Limited power. He can only do so much, you know, and we're just waiting for God because when he shows up, we'll finally get up today and feel more like, you know, it's terrible, like the stuff on the bottom of my boots. And He's big. Oh, magnify the Lord. Great, we did. But, you know, it was enough to bring me up to half a jug. Be being filled. That's like to overflow. So your inside anointing should not just, like, come up to, like, half a pint. What's Pastor Neil's favorite scripture? Ephesians 3.20 is what they're saying. And what does it say? That he's going to... Do what? Oh, everything halfway. No, not at all. Exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. According to. The, yeah, oh, that's well, you know, that power, I'm not sure. You see, when we grasp these things, healing becomes so easy. Oh, it is not reliant on the anointing within. That's for me. 
for how I live. The anointing within is for me. Now, I'm not going to be a hog, right? But, you know. But when the anointing comes on the word of God to heal, woo, it's nothing to do with you. Well, what if it doesn't work? It's the anointing of God. It's going to work. <laughs> of course, if you're operating in your own strength, that's not. But we're not going there, right? So when we see all who came, do we know how to come? Do we know what's inside of us that's working? I'm coming because, oh, and I pay attention to it. Pay attention to the anointing. of the, Thank you, Lord. There is an anointing abides within, especially on those days when I feel like I'm tanked. You know, my, my car, and my, you know, sometimes, well, I don't let it go past, like, just under half, and then I fill it. But that's not how I used to live. I used to live, you know, just, like, above E all the time in my car. And I realized one day it was very evident of how I was living life spiritually. Like, just five bucks, five bucks, five bucks. It was just keep going to the next stop. Just keep going to next Sunday. Just keep going. Just, just stick in another sermon and get you through to this point. Just. I never let my car get empty anymore. This one either. When we understand Jesus within us by the Holy Ghost and his voice becomes clear, we begin to speak with that one voice. Yeah, we're going to name things different. No, I won't have to rename worry. I won't have to rename sin to make it pleasant for my ears. So I wouldn't want any Christian to think I never sinned, so I'll give it a nice name. We're going to use our power and gift that God's given us to name things in the right vein in the right manner, in the right place. And we're going to be able to then move into the healings that God has prepared for us and move into that in God's ways to bring God's results. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.